Hey, hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Shayna. I hope everyone had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend, and I hope you all took time to recognize all of the fallen and the ones who still are willing to make that ultimate sacrifice. As you could probably notice, I took that weekend off to spend time with family and celebrate our son's fifth birthday. This past weekend, we were just kind of homebodies and enjoyed the weekend at home. Not that we had a choice. (laughs) It's like a constant downpour here lately, so outside activities have basically been halted. Anywho, on to this week's episode, I will be telling you the extremely bizarre and gruesome case of a man who went on to kill numerous people in Baltimore, Maryland. This is the story of Joe Metheny. I want to preface this with the fact that this story includes details of sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Joseph Roy Metheny was born March 2nd of 1955 and was one of six children. In 1973, when he was 18, he joined the military. His mother said that he had served in Germany, even though he had claimed to serve in a tour in Vietnam, and had become addicted to heroin while in an artillery unit there. His mother said that she had no recollection of him serving in Vietnam and the circumstances of his service were reported as unverified because American involvement in Vietnam had ended by that time. Metheny was ironically known as Tiny in the 90s as he was six foot one, large framed, overweight. He weighed about 450 pounds. He had been spending a lot of time in bars, living with bands of homeless men in makeshift camps in South Baltimore, and spending all of his money on drugs and liquor. He did, however, hold a steady job as a forklift driver and was known as intelligent, well-spoken, and very well-mannered. He eventually got a job as a truck driver and met a lady that he ended up marrying, and they had a son together. He said it started in 1994. He was working overtime one night when he came home and he went inside. He had noticed that everything was gone. Like all the furniture was gone. Like everything was gone, including his wife and his son, who was six years old at that time. She had left, taken everything, including his son. This was obviously upsetting to Metheny as it would be for anyone You can't imagine somebody just ripping your child from you. So, Metheny said that his wife was a crack addict and, I quote, excuse my language, a worthless piece of shit. He went on about his life until about six months later when he found out that his wife had moved to the other side of town with another man and... Metheny claimed that this guy was making his wife sell her body for drugs. And apparently they got busted and social services had taken his son away from them. So 
that kind of upset him. The allegations were child neglect and child abuse. And due to Metheny's past criminal history, he didn't have any chance of getting his son from social services. He had racked up a slew of assault and disorderly conduct charges. It was then that he decided to, quote unquote, take matters into his own hands. So he went out looking for his wife and the man she ran off with. He was pretty well known around the homeless community, as you can imagine, from his past. He had heard from someone that his wife and her new man had been going under this bridge and getting high with some of the homeless people who lived there. According to Metheny, he had gone under the bridge looking for them first, but they weren't there, and that the two people that he had heard they were getting high with were there. And he said that they were passed out on some old nasty mattress, and that's where he left them, but that they were chopped up first. He then proceeded to lure a sex worker under that bridge and was offering her drugs for information on where his wife was, but that she didn't know anything about where his wife was. This apparently ticked him off, like made him very angry, because he then beat the crap out of her, raped her, killed her, and then dumped her in a bush nearby, and then lured another woman down there and did the same thing to her. But this time, when he went to put her behind the bush, he had noticed like there was like an older man down by the river that was fishing and he had looked like it was looking, he would, the guy was looking up at him. So, you know, you can't, you can't have any witnesses, right? So, um, he grabs a steel pipe that was laying on the ground nearby and he went down to the man and busted him in the head with the pipe, like laid his head open he placed all three of his victims in the river with rocks to weigh them down. So it's pretty clear that no one was telling him anything other than what he wanted to hear, which basically destined their their life. Like that was their destiny. If they told him that they didn't know where his wife was, they were going to die. Like it, that's, it ticked him off. So he targeted people that struggled with drugs or were down on their luck, obviously, because that's where he was told that his wife was, like, down there with those homeless people, with those drug addicts. So, as I had mentioned pr in previous episodes, targeting this range of people is done most of the time due to the fact that it's more common for these people to disappear for long periods without anyone being suspicious of it. But I have a feeling that this wasn't the case this time. I don't think this sicko cared either way. So he was really busy that night, you know, with, you know, five murders in one night. That has to be exhausting. Like that was that was sarcasm, obviously. But he did wash up and cleaned up the crime scene. He was arrested two and a half weeks later and was charged with the murders of the two men that he killed first that night. The ones that were on the nasty mattress that he said he chopped up which brings up the question of did he just leave those two men on the mattress and if so why i'm not sure if i'm missing something here or if i did miss something but if he went to such lengths to get rid of the two women and the man that he killed then cleaned 
up himself and the crime scene, why just leave those two to be found? Like, that's extremely odd to me. Now, now by no means am I saying that I'm mad about this, but that's stupid on his part. Moving on. He spent 18 months in jail awaiting trial. The trial lasted a week and the case was thrown out due to lack of evidence, which can probably be attributed to the fact that he did clean up the crime scene. So with that, Metheny was released. After being released, he went and spoke with his old boss about getting his job back at the pallet company. There was a small trailer on the property and he wound up talking his boss into letting him stay there and he even offered to keep an eye on the place, like the entire property. Of course, his old boss agreed and handed him the keys to the front gate and the main building. This company was located like on a dead end road and was super isolated. So, of course, it was perfect, you know, for this sicko to go live. Anyways, he lured two women up to his trailer. He proceeded to kill them and then he cut up their bodies. He said, and I quote, I cut the meat up and put it in some Tupperware bowls and then put it in the freezer. Yep, that's what he did. He put their body parts in Tupperware bowls and in the freezer. And I'm assuming this was his way of concealing the body so he wouldn't get caught. He then buried the remaining parts in several shallow graves in the woods behind the company. All of this, he said, started off as revenge, but then turned into a passion because he enjoyed the taste of blood and the overwhelming sense of power one gets for taking the life of another. He said that it was something that he enjoyed and he had no other reason for doing the things he did other than he liked it. If that doesn't scream psycho, I don't know what does. So, Metheny had eventually opened his own food truck type thing, and he was making beef and pork sandwiches on the weekends for people. He was working, but wanted to make a little extra money. I mean, we all do that. We all want to make a little extra money. So this is understandable. So he set up a little sandwich stand thing on the side of the road where there were a lot of truck drivers coming through and he, it was it was going really well. No one ever complained about the sandwiches or anything. This, this is where you may get a little squeamish. Remember how he was cutting up his victims and putting them in Tupperware bowls? Yeah, well, apparently he wanted to add a little flavor to his sandwiches. Need a little extra zing to it. Apparently he had tried this before serving them. This is disgusting. He said that the human body tastes very similar to pork. And if he mixed it, you couldn't tell the difference. Now, there's no hard proof that this actually happened. Like, there's, it wasn't proven in court that he actually did this. But he claims that he did. Essentially turning these innocent people into living hiding places unbeknownst to them. He said that everything was going good until he ran out of his quote-unquote special meat. So, do you want to guess what he did next? Yeah, he lured another woman. So, he got her in the trailer and started beating her and ripping off her clothes because 
of where the trailer was located, no one could hear her. Like they could not, you could not hear her scream, nothing because it was isolated, like I mentioned earlier. So Metheny said he just kept laughing at her because there was nothing she could do to get people to hear her. Seriously, guys, this man is or was extremely disturbed. Like you have to have some serious issues to do all of this, hunt humans to make sandwiches. Like, hmm. okay, anyway. I'm assuming Metheny thought he had knocked this girl out, so when he turned around, she got up and bolted. She ended up escaping out of a window, and at first, you know, Metheny was like, oh crap, she got out, like, no big deal, right? But he wasn't super concerned, because it had, the property that he was on had like um, an eight-foot chain-link fence all the way around it, and the entrance had like a padlock on it, I guess. And all the way around the top of this eight foot chain link fence was like barbed wire. So like she could get out, but she wasn't going anywhere is what he was thinking. Wrong. He was so wrong. There was a stack of pallets up against the fence and this lady was able to climb them and hop over the fence. He even said that she was like a monkey jumping up on these pallets and over the fence. I mean... Yeah, my dude, I would have been too. So she ran down the main road and flagged down a truck driver or a man driving a pickup truck. There was different reports on this detail, so I'm not 100% clear on that. So either way, it was a truck, whether it be a semi or just a regular old everyday pickup truck. So she, st when he stops, she starts explaining to him, you know, like what happened and all that stuff. So then the driver told her to get in and he took her up to a gas station nearby where she called police and told them everything. So even though he knew, Metheny knew, the cops were coming, he didn't run. He grabbed the woman's clothes, the keys to the front gate, and when he got back out there, the cops were there. They obviously pulled their weapons and made him get on the ground, and much to their surprise, Metheny complied and went in without a fight. From there, they took him down to the station and booked him. He admitted to police that what the woman had told them was true, that he was going to kill her like he did the rest. Her words to the police about what Metheny had said were, and I quote, I'm going to kill you and bury you in the woods with the other girls. The police had to question Metheny numerous times and had even taken him back to the bridge where he had murdered the first five people. He did admit to police that he had thrown the bodies in the river, but they looked and police never found them. He led them to where the others were too. The police went and had to spend forever digging up the remains of the two women he had buried behind the pallet company. Metheny had buried them in seven different holes. His confessions were sick, but... They were mostly prideful because he not only confessed to the crimes he was being charged for, but then he just started confessing to all these other ones along the way, like that police, you know, had no idea about that he did. So Baltimore Sun newspaper reported in 1997 that it was not clear how truthful his claims were about how many people he had killed as he had suspected, had been suspected of killing an upwards of like 13. 
He even claimed, and this is absolutely one of the most disturbing things I found on this case, and I want to gag every time. Ugh. So if you're super squeamish, I I would just like skip like 10 seconds ahead, like right about and now. He said that at one point he performed sexual acts on one of his victims decomposing head. Ugh, no. Mm-mm. His confession, of course, didn't end in remorse because he stated that the words I'm sorry would never come out for they would be a lie. He specifically said that the only regret he had in any of it is that he wasn't able to murder the two people he intended to, which were his ex-wife and the man she ran off with. He also said that the next time you're riding down the road and you happen to see an open pit beef stand that you have never seen before, make sure you think about this story before you take a bite of that sandwich. Sometimes you never know who you may be eating. In 1997, He was tried for the case of the kidnapping and attempted rape of the woman that escaped and was sentenced to 50 years, but was acquitted of her attempted murder. In 1998, he pleaded guilty to murder and robbery against his lawyer's advice. He eventually got the death penalty, which he had actually requested. He wanted to die, but that was overturned in 2000 and was turned into two life sentences. The rationale for the death penalty is that the murder had been committed in committing a robbery, but the evidence indicated that the robbery was not his motive for the simple fact that all the personal effects were left behind, like purses and clothes and stuff like that. Metheny also falsely claimed that his mother had died, but she hadn't and had even spoken to the papers. He said... He had also told his attorney that his actions were due to neglect in a traumatic childhood. His attorney claimed that Metheny's father was an alcoholic who was killed in a car accident when Metheny was six years old and that his mother had neglected them to work double shifts outside the home, which I'm going to place my opinion like right here, which I don't see as neglect. Parents who have to work really hard to support their children, like, If his dad had died in a car accident when he was six, like, obviously, you know, his mom would have to support him and his other siblings. So working long hours, even double shifts, don't classify as neglect to me. In fact, it's quite the opposite, in my opinion. Raising children isn't easy by any means. Now, I'm not familiar with raising children by myself, so I can't imagine what it would be like for a single parent, but I would imagine that it isn't a walk in the park. Metheny said that his parents often sent them to live with other families in a foster-like arrangement. Metheny's mother did say that they were somewhat poor, but she had to work as hard as she could as a waitress, a barmaid, and a food truck driver but that she had provided her children with a normal family life and the children had never gone hungry or been put into homes of other families as her son had claimed. She even stated that Metheny 
was an above average student. He was always polite and was never a mean-spirited child. All of this, though, doesn't dismiss the fact that he had committed the crimes he had been sentenced for or any other crimes that he had committed and wasn't charged with for whatever reason, whether it be due to lack of evidence or otherwise. Joseph Ray Metheny spent 20 years in prison before he died in 2017. He was found in his cell unresponsive at the age of 62. An investigation of his death had been conducted, but the results from that were never made public. Joe Metheny's victims are as follows. Kathy Ann Magaziner, Randall Brewer, Randy Piker, Tony Lynn Agracia, which is a possible one, Kimberly Lynn Spicer, and Rita Kemper. Rita was the one who escaped and called police. These are all the names disclosed and found in my research. May they all rest in peace along with the unnamed individuals. That is all I have for this week. Until next time, friends, stay safe. Thank you for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit that subscribe or follow button and tune in every Monday for a new episode. Episode suggestions can be sent to criminalbeautypod at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook at criminalbeauty20 and on Instagram at criminalbeautypod.